You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1133 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening, and I am joined by a man who loves the Hawks shot profile and hates Clickapella taking layups. It's Tower Jones. Hello, sir. Uh, yeah, man. How you doing, Brad? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I wouldn't say uh, I hate Clint Capella taking layups. I'm just confused as to why he's not finishing these layups. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I think he got the yips. It's um, uh, he's not making them. That's for sure. No, I was listening. I was listening to uh, our friends Kevin and Glenn on my uh, right before we started recording this, actually. And Kevin seemed concerned. I, I, I'm trying not to be concerned about Capella's layups, but uh, it has not been good. And you know, since he got to Atlanta, the little secret, as you've, not, it's not a secret to you, is that his efficiency is way down on offense. Uh, and I do wonder, like, if it's going to come back. It's kind of crazy though. Like when they win, he shoots like 65. percent and when they lose, it's like 48% or something crazy. Like, it's that big of a split. So, I, they kind of go as he yeah. goes. Yeah, but, like, his his efficiency issues on offense are a big deal because it affects their defense, yeah. um, right? I mean, because, one, if he's not a threat on offense, then teams don't have to worry about him. That means they can probably play a big that can shoot the three-pointer. And you can do that. You space and Capella out on the floor. Now you don't have – now you got Capella Garden, you know, out in the perimeter. Now all of a sudden, like you just neutralize what the Hawks want to do on defense, and so it's just a bit too easy um, right now with how Capella. Both, it, like to me, it's like a lack of real aggression around the rim. It's very, it's such a strange thing because I, I mean, I don't know, Brad. Like I've I've been watching Capella throughout his career. This stuff, what he does in Atlanta, where he, he, he just puts up these, like he's like quick shotting these layup attempts, and when there's no real rim protection around him, is just truly baffling to me. I'm, and like he, he, he just goes through these, he's going through these stretches where he's just like rushing his shot attempts, and it's, you know, it's in one, it's leading to him not being in offensive rebound position. And then two, like when he misses the layup, He's the last guy back because, I mean, that's just how, how it is. And the Hawks don't have – if John Collins on, not on the floor with him, there is no rim protection right now. So, uh, yeah, uh, Capella, like, to me is like – I mean, he's still overall been good based on, like, you look at the metrics. Like, EPM still rates him positively. But it's not, it's not as good as he was last year. And it's really – it's his offense. Like, to me, I'm like – especially these last couple of games, I'm like – a big reason why these games are close or closer than they need to be is because of Capella not dominating physically the way he should. And uh, so hopefully, you know, with this rest time, maybe he can figure something out and get it together. But like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's super weird. Cause it's not like, I'm like, is it his athleticism decline? I, I, I used to think that, but I mean, he's still getting up on these alley-oops. So it, it's just like it's something with him and the ball. Like the ball, with if it's not an alley oop, like for whatever reason, like his ball control is just tanked or, or something. Like his hands just aren't as sure as they used to be. 
Um, I've never seen like a big man's hands decline, uh, <laughs> but that's what it, that's what it feels like to me. Like, it's like, he can't home a basketball or something. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. It's, it's, it's super weird. And like, I, I mean, there's just multiple opportunities where he could just simply dunk the ball and he's just opting for these layups and he's missing them. And it's like, wh- why, you know? Yeah, no, I, the rim. I, I agree. I think that's one of the weird things about it is that, I think you've said the word quick shotting and that's, that's kind of what I see is like, he's kind of almost like panicking when he has the ball in his hands, which is weird for a vet. Like, I don't know if it's the yips or whatever, and it's still a small sample size. I'm not like terribly worried, but it's, uh, it's not been a lot of fun on some of these nights where he's, you know, if he's three for seven from the floor, something's gone wrong. You know what I mean? Like he's got to be, you know, more aggressive. And also he just, you know, yes, you, you probably have to pencil in one or two mislayups a game and you kind of just have to go with that. That's fine. But when it becomes three, four, or five per night, it gets uh, kind of maddening. Um, we, we jump right into. I mean, it. he he might also be scared to go to the free throw line. I was going to say that right? because his his numbers right now are like he's never been good at the line for the most part. But I think he's yeah he's fifty one percent right now, which is the lowest it's been since he's like third no second year in the league. So he's never been good, but he's he was better you know three four years ago. Last year fifty seven percent is not great, but. It's not like that, that. It's a pretty decent difference between last year and this year. I think he was actually under fifty percent till like a few days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's you know it's weird because his form. I mean, this is the best his shot form's ever looked. I'm like, this is a mental thing with him, and so like he doesn't want to go to the free throw line, so he's not attacking the rim with the type of aggression you need him to do. Um, and so he's missing these layups, and it's like he's getting his stuff blocked. Like last year, Brad, he was pretty good at keeping the ball above his head. And just, you know, keeping it up there where he can get it. But now he's doing this, like, he'll catch the ball, bring the ball down for some reason, get stripped. And it's like, what, you know, it's it's just, I don't know. I Like, to me, I was like, me, it looks like a guy who's trying to fight his way back into game shape. And, like, I'm like, I don't I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I, I it, it, he had a, the super weird, you know, non-surgery procedure uh, in late August. And like, you know, it's just like, you know, maybe it's just going to take him some more time to get it, get it all together, what he needs as a basketball player. But I mean, they, you know, they need him, but, you know, luckily, you know, with the Congo coming back, they might not be so reliant on him and maybe in a lesser minute role, uh, he can figure something out. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's sort of still been routing into form. He was better a couple of weeks ago than he's been recently, he's still better than he was early in the season. And defensively, it's largely been fine. But uh, interestingly enough, I mean, I'm glad you brought up a Kongwu because as we are recording this on early Thursday evening, a Kongwu is going to play tonight for College Park. That, that game has not happened yet as we're talking, but obviously that's a, a big step, him playing in a you know professional basketball game. So I have to assume he'll be back with the Atlanta Hawks fairly soon. They've not set any timetables, but you know the last kind of step is him playing in a game in College Park. And it might be more than one game, but uh, I wonder what you think of that because you know there have been definitely some nights recently, in, in particular, I think that Charlotte game was one where like it kind of stands out that Okongwu would have really helped them in a lot of ways. Uh, it's been the case all season long, but having him around, it's like almost like you forget about him. Like we don't, but people kind of do because he's a really talented guy. And yeah, he won't play 30 minutes a night, but he's going to help them when he comes back. I mean, he's going to be huge because he's going to push John Collins just playing four all the time instead of being the backup center. And, you know, we talk about this, we've been talking about this all the time with John Collins at center. It's a funny enough, it's a similar issue to with Anthony Davis at center. It's not that 
you know, Anthony Davis at center for the Lakers. Um, Steve Jones of the uh, the Dunker Spot podcast. Uh, he does a, he does a pretty good like basketball threads, and he he talks about how when AD's at center, too often he gets pulled out of the paint uh, because teams go five out against him. Like they don't when Anthony Davis is at center, the teams just don't play their plotting big man. They go they match up. So they usually play a small ball five or whatever. And so they pulling Anthony Davis out of the paint. I mean, but that like nullifies what he does best, which is protect the rim. And it's similar to what, what happens with the Hawks and John Collins. Like that Charlotte game was very insightful in that he was the only one who could actually do anything uh, against uh, Miles Bridges. But the problem was because Bridges was making his jumper that game, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, Collins is just going to have to give up the jump because he can't play up on him because if he gets beat, there's literally nothing behind him that's going to deter Bridges from dunking the basketball super hard. So it was like, you know, they, they caught in a rock and a hard place because, in large part because Capella didn't establish himself on offense. So then the Hornets were able to play five out, get away with playing P.J. Washington at center. And it's like, well, we got to, you know, we have to, like at some point, you know, Nate McMillan, Got to be like, well, we got to match up and just play five out and hope we outscore them. And, you know, that game they, they didn't. But, like, it's an issue that will get fixed. You know, now we've got to – if we get Okongwu back, now all of a sudden you can play Alliance with Okongwu and Collins. Now it doesn't matter. As long – you know, two now you got two rim protectors who can both come out on the perimeter and guard reasonably well while also having somebody else be back there be a rim protector and a rebounder, which is a big thing that Gallo doesn't do. Gallo's he's been better with the defensive rebounding, but like him at the rim is just an, a layup for literally any decent athlete in the NBA. So, you know, it's good it's good that uh Akong was coming back just so that they're one less reliant on, on, on Capella, particularly on offense, and also Capella can maybe round up into form. And also against these small ball teams like a Kongu can be like the small ball, you know, stopper because he's got the quickness to hang with these dudes while also being on the other end. Like if you don't match up physically with him, he's going to dominate. We saw that in the last year, uh, particularly even including in the playoffs where if he, if, if you don't have like a, a center with the size and the strength to match up to him, like he's just going to, he's just going to take you to the woodshed. So it's good. It's good that a Kongu's back. Cause they, I mean, they, they've missed him without question to me like this, a big reason for their mediocre the bad defense this year is that if capella is not in the paint you know everything's just a bit too easy uh if a capella it, you know capella and collins works but like once you break those two up it's it's like you know it's it's kind of food for the other team because the hawks don't have the perimeter defenders um you know with hunter reddish and reddish out in particular but like it's just like that snowball issue where I'm glad that Okongwu's back and he can maybe reestablish something for the for the second units and also, you know, potentially get this this Collins and Okongwu lineup out there, which I think has a real chance to dominate. Before we get back to myself and Tyler, I have a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Shopify. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses so that upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. 
Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out at a pretty low level. Now it's at a much higher level and we're not going to stop there because success is a million milestones on a forever involving path. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 businesses from first scale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and much more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of your conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day, and Shopify also instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has thousands of integrations with third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success, and do it all in one place. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba right now. That's shopify.com slash lockedonmba. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I want to ask you as well about Cam, who's getting closer. It looks like he's going to play on Friday. Uh, he's listed as probable. So, you know, that usually it's not 100% of the time. It's why it's probable, but I think he's going to play. Um, and that will be very helpful as well. Like, it'll be the first time in a while they've had close to their full complement. Like, Akong was not going to be back on Friday. He's not going to play back-to-back, I think, with College Park. But uh, having Cam back, particularly against Brooklyn, is, like, pretty interesting. And I'm not going to like, – we don't have to do a full preview of the Brooklyn game. But I thought that was uh, – noteworthy that you know obviously he just couldn't play earlier this week and they've had three days off kind of game plan and it's an ESPN game and you have came and they can kind of um I don't know prepare for this one a little bit differently so I wonder I mean I guess how excited are you to have Cam back because he was playing better before he got hurt and you know the absence of other guys means that the role is uh, you know, the role is there for him yeah I mean I think the biggest thing is that he's gonna take uh the minutes that Kevin Herter has been because Kevin Hurd's been playing like what 40, 38 plus minutes a night every yeah, he's, game. He's led the team since everybody got since everybody got hurt, which is you know for obvious reasons. But even you know, with TLC and Herder, you know, they both I think they were both at like 38 or 39 in the last game. And uh, Herder in particular has done this before, but you don't want him to play 40 minutes a game if you don't have to, because like he you cannot have him get hurt because <laughs> he's he's, he's yeah, been, exactly. got had for a while. So yeah. So, so you know, you can you can lessen that, and uh, you know, it's good to just get another guy, you know, who's six eight and that can make an open jumper um, in the rotation. You know, that can play good defense, and like just just in general, just take a bit more pressure off of having to play um, certain lineups, extended minutes. Like there there there've been a lot of 
Um, they ran a lineup for Trey Lou and Dylan Wright one time. Ooh, um, that, that, that one got me going. I was like, wow, Trey, Trey Lou and Delon. I, mean, I know, I know it was desperate, but they. I uh, think Gallo was on the floor too, as well. Like it was it's, it's been adventure. a lot of yeah. It's been a lot of you know Nate's just trying to patch patch these minutes together, try to get you know things going. Now now that they have a wing rotation again, you know maybe also Trey Young's minutes should could uh, tick downwards again because they've been pushing him a bit. So it's just in general, just getting another depth guy is good. And like hopefully Camp can continue his form because he was playing pretty well. Yeah, um he even, was. Even if his percentage if, even if his percentages weren't showing it, like it, his process was a lot better in his shot selection. Like he wasn't, you know, the guy I was hammering on in the preseason. Um, you know, he kind of stabilized a bit and understood his role on this team. And in turn he was playing a lot better and like the shots he was getting were a lot easier and he was also able to get to the rim and free throw line all that stuff and like just another guy who can get to the rim get free throws like that's something cam can do as well so that'll that'll ease the burden on on trey a bit um yeah i mean you you mentioned trey's minutes too by the way uh first 20 games trey averaged about 33 minutes a game which i thought was even probably on the low side but still happened the last five is 37 minutes a game and part of that's just out of necessity But like they they were pushing him, and Nate is not afraid to push guys. But long term, when Trey's going to play, you know, eighty games, you would imagine this year because you know, knock on wood, he's very he's very durable and likes to play. Doesn't want to sit out. You can't be playing Trey 37, 38 minutes a game with the workload that he has. I don't think. Not if he wants to be known as Mister All Eighty Two. No, so <laughs> he likes it. I mean, I, I know that. I mean, famously, he got hurt last year to the point where he couldn't play. But the previous season, and you know, he's even I think he's even says on the record before Trey does not like to miss games. And I think he's going to try to play 82. You know, he has not missed a game this year. As a rookie, he played 81 of 82. Like, he's not afraid to uh, try to do that. So, yeah, is, with, with that under uh, consideration, you don't want to play him 40 minutes a night because then he'll get just burnt out by the end of the year. Yeah, um, and that's, you know, that's the key because, like, they need Trey when when these games matter most and, like, you know, during the playoffs. Uh, right now, though, but they do – you know, as a team overall, like, I don't know. I, I feel like the fans might be a bit disappointed by their record. And I can understand that. But, like, I, I just kind of feel like they got another run in them where they're going to run off, you know, six or seven more wins in a row or something like that. Just they, the big the big thing with this team is that they just need they, – they just need real continuity so that they can establish – like, I feel like they've gotten in on offense, and now they can get a Kongu bat. Now they can establish that on defense, where it's 48 minutes of either a Capello or Kongu at center, maybe a little bit of Collins at five, but, you know, not much. Because, I mean, another thing with Collins at five, like, ideally you would rather you, – you don't – like, the Collins-Gallows lineups are fine, but you kind of don't want those two on the floor at the same time because one yeah. on offense – Offense, they sneakily operate in the same areas, um, even if that doesn't make sense. But, like, they kind of have on, – on this team, on offense, they have similar roles as, 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 as offensive players, even if they play differently. So you're, you're kind of not getting the maximum value from those two when they're on the floor at the same time. And then on defense, like, Collins has to put out so many fires, and Gallinari cannot put out <laughs> anything. Like, he is the – he, yeah, he is the gasoline bad. that's getting lit up 
no, every I mean, time. Yeah, he is, he, he is their worst. Uh, yeah, like I said, Gallup and Lou, uh, for all the attention nationally Trey gets for his defense, uh, it's he, there are two guys on the roster worse than he is defensively. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I actually, on my point about the offense, you know, for as much as you and I have said repeatedly that John needs to get more touches on offense, and that's still the case, the way to get him more touches on offense is to kind of have him in that same area that Gallo's in. Like John's game, when he's not, exactly. in and, when he's not in pick and roll and he's not spotting up, he's going to have the ball in that mid-post area doing face-ups and post-ups, and that's kind of where Gallo lives. So, And, then and you can't – yeah, yeah. You, and you, and you can't do that with Gallo on the floor because guess what? He's there. No team <laughs> – yeah, yeah, he's at center, and no team's going to switch that, you know, that pick and roll, whereas with Gallo, you know, they're willing to do it because he's slower – I mean, he's just a slower basketball player, right? Like, it's just – and it's also, like, typically, even though Gallinari, I think a, a big reason for his improvement recently is he's starting to take the ball to the rim and finish through contact, which is what he wasn't doing. He was, it was a lot of settling with him. Um, so he's he's getting to the rim, he's getting layups, um, and that's, you know, helping him find the rhythm on offense, whereas before it was just like, I'm going to face up and then take the, you know – no dribble jumper, which I mean, it's a good shot for him, but like, you know, other teams will live with that because I mean, that, that that's just the big thing with the Hawks team. Like, they're, they're so good on offense. Teams are just at this point, a lot of teams, how they defend the Hawks is like, we're just trying to make it so either you guys spend a lot of clock or you guys have to do something that's not a alley oop, right? Like, we just we we can't give that, that up, and we ideally we want you guys to burn as much shot clock as possible. That's why we see these weird switches where teams are starting to switch, even point guards on the John Collins because they know the hall like these. Unfortunately, John can't pass them. Like apparently, John Collins is also the best uh uh passer on the team when it comes up to post ups for some reason, like just straight up post ups. Like th- these guys just don't. I mean, they got better at it, you know, during this week. But, like, for the majority of the season, like, they just don't throw the ball up when he has a, a height advantage over somebody. Um, you know, he's not – and he's not as thick as Gallo. Like, Gallo can just seal a Gallo off with his butt. Collins can't do that. Uh, he's just not as wide. So, like, you have to do something else, which is typically you just throw it up, you know, since he can jump higher than everybody else. But apparently it took them, I don't know, 20 games for them to realize this. So, <laughs> hopefully that improves and that will help them out. But, like, overall – like, there's not too much. I know you have a lot of complaints about the Hawks offense. Even no, I don't. That's not true. All right, here we NBA. go. Okay, you know what? Hold on. I mean, hold on. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to do this whole thing in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. Stay tuned, and Tyler and I will talk about the Hawks offense because it is interesting. There is nuance, and we'll be right back. I've been hearing a lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they've been launching a new line of active apparel. Plus, it's holiday gift-giving time, and Stance is the coolest gift that you can give. It's incredibly comfortable and well-made. Their socks, their shirts, their joggers, and their hoodies. And Stance is so much different than everybody else because, honestly, a lot of stuff is boring. Socks, underwear, apparel that we always have to sell back in for at the end of the day. But Stance changes the mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Stance was founded in 2009, representing a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. 
Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good, do good, and you can go see for yourself by registering for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase using the promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Once again, that is promo code locked on at checkout, 15% off at stance.com. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less ordinary life with stance. All right, Tyler, it's time. Uh, you were referring to this before we started, before I went to the break, because I had this uh, on the agenda in case you didn't bring it up. I knew you would, though. Uh, my friend Jackson Frank, who's been on this podcast before, wrote about the Hawks for Dime, where I also write, and I saw it ahead of time, did a little bit of a read on it, and really enjoyed it, um, about Trey and his uh, mid-range evolution and the way that he has been able to score all three levels this year. I thought it was a good piece. I retweeted it, which you didn't like, but hey, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Oh, um, I liked it. I'm just, I'm just confused why you retweeted it. Since well, you're, listen, you're Mr. Daryl Morey. Number here. one, okay, I'm more that way than you. But listen, I thought it was a good piece by Jackson. It has good points. I've never said Trey shouldn't take mid-range jump shots. Trey's good at that. Um, he's the only guy on the team, other than maybe John and maybe Gallo, that's like proven enough to do that. With that said, um, I still think, and with all, with all respect to Jackson, I, again, I enjoyed the piece. I think that Trey should still take more threes. And that's my number one point with Trey. Um, doesn't mean he's not been awesome this year. He's a little bit over his head, I think, along too so, so far this year, at least so far compared to his baseline. Coming into Friday, he's 50, 52% on long twos for the season, which he might be able to do. I want to say that. That actually might be replicable for Trey. But the previous two years, it was like 44%. So, like, that's a pretty big gap in shooting. And, like, you mentioned the Chris Paul thing on Twitter today. Uh, listen, if Trey becomes Chris Paul in the mid-range, then I, I will definitely just log off. I will not say anything about it anymore. But honestly, I say this with uh, with with clarity. When I say the Hawks should take more threes and less mid-rangers, Trey isn't even the guy I'm really talking about. Uh, I do I do think that Trey should take more threes, but in general, I think some of the other guys, particularly DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, are probably the two biggest defenders. Even, even Hunter sometimes. Um, those guys probably take too many mid-range pull-ups from my life. Hold on, dotted line Kev? Listen, we talking about the guy who, who turned into a good basketball player and an above-average starter in this league because he started taking mid-range jumpers? Now, hold on, hold on. Without, you know, if, having if Roy he, in his it, ear telling him if he is guard, if he if he is in a if he's in an advantage situation, if he's being guarded by, by Seth Curry, then sure. Like, when he has six inches on a guy, then yeah. But he also should be taking more threes. Kevin Herter is a great three-point shooter. It is what it is. And this is one of those endless arguments. And I'm not, I'm actually not a guy that's like screaming, never shoot mid range. I actually don't believe that there's definitely people out there that think that way. And I don't really subscribe to that. My thing has always been, you still want more shots from at the rim and more shots from three, but the Hawks, I, I do think, and I think you're going to say this in a second. So my apologies. I think the Hawks are set up better than a lot of teams to shoot more in the mid range. They have guys who can shoot that shot. And you mentioned to me, I'm not even sure if it was online or offline, about Phoenix and Brooklyn. And those teams have similar setups where Kevin Durant's the best mid-range shooter maybe of all time. And Chris Paul is the best mid-range shooting guard maybe of all time. And Devin Booker can do that. And um, they have personnel. And they, they're the examples of teams that have overcome the quote-unquote traditional shot, pro, shot profile um, not, being the, not being the best to be still good on offense because they have outlier guys. And honestly, Trey is an outlier kind of guy. So maybe that's just it. Maybe I'm wrong about this and, and it won't matter. But I do think if you look at the numbers, like the Hawks are shooting above their heads on mid-rangers and threes right now. And that is a part of the reason why they've been so good on offense. Like they're good on offense. We kind of know that. But in terms of like being number two in the league, I'm a little bit, you know, worried's too strong of a word. I'm a little bit concerned 
that like when they cool off and they're going to cool off, it won't be like, and if they keep taking as many of them, then that's when you get into trouble. But I'm not, they're still awesome on offense. I say that all the time. You know what? Go ahead. I mean, light me up. It's fine. (laughs) Why, why, uh, why are they going to cool off from three? I, that, I, maybe okay. One, I don't, I don't understand that point. I laid it. No, I laid it uh, out I laid, on, on a show earlier, earlier this week. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. I, but currently, they lead the league at almost 39, percent and every single guy in the rotation is shooting basically better than they ever have shot, or at least close to that. Like Trey Collins, Hunter Herder, Reddish. All those guys are above their so, career so here's numbers. The question, by a here's lot. the question: Are they are they taking are they taking contested three point shots or are they open three point shots? Because uh, well, some of them are contested. They're taking less. Three, they're taking less less contested three point shots on the whole this year. I would say that. Oh, sure. oh, okay. So if they're open and they're taking them, and these are a bunch of guys who Travis Lank drafted in particular because he wanted people who could dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, you know, the shooting point is very important on this team. Are we surprised that they're making a bunch of open three pointers? No, like, I'm. I'm not. This and of, this is what I said. I, not, I, think... I mean, we're not. We're not talking about. We're, I mean, like to, here, here's the thing with me. Trey Young is the head of the snake here. Absolutely. They're going to have great offense. Yes, I don't care what the process is. <laughs> well, but, that's I. Like, I can't think Trae, that way. Trae I have Young, to. <laughs> I have to think about the process. Trey Young, you would not think this if this was LeBron James running the offense for the Hawks and it's the same shot profile, we would not be saying this. I would, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's not even. No, no, but, but it's like Trey Young's a G like Trey Young's a genius on offense. Like, we agree. I, you know, Chris Kirshner, Chris Kirshner got hell on Twitter <laughs> when he asked the question. He's like, yo, Trey, why'd you take that shot 35 footer with X amount of time on the shot clock? And like Trey, I thought, had an insightful answer where he just said, Hey, look, one, sometimes you, I mean, one teams want me to burn clock and like, we can't get bogged down. Like the offense cannot get bogged down with me dribbling. And then two, I got to trust in the work that I put in in the off season. And like, I believe every shot I take is going to go in. And it's like, you know what? Of course we can argue back. Of, like we can argue if that's correct or not, but like, that's how Trey feels, and that's how Trey plays, and that aggression is what is is how is why the Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in the playoffs. I can't knock the man, even if I don't agree with his shot. You know his shot selection. Sometimes I at least have an in, you know because he actually said something to the media that was insightful. It gave me an insight into how he thinks about the game of basketball. Yeah, like Trey doesn't want to hold the ball and dribble fifteen seconds on the shot clock waiting for a play to develop. He wants to get in, punish teams for being slack. And he, you know, at that moment, I think it was the uh, Sixers game. It was, it was the Sixers game where he felt he wanted to punish the Sixers for leaving him off, uh, for leaving him there, and he just missed. And so, like, you know, that's his that's his mentality, that's his aggression. And like, we gotta at some point, as a basketball intelligentsia or whatever, however you want to say it. Uh, basketball experts, if you will, we just got to accept that Trey Young is a genius and he knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for this Hawks team. And like the shots that the shot profile that comes from a Trey Young led offense isn't going to be like James Harden and the Rockets. Like we got to break our mo, even though he has the ball in the hands all of the time. That's not how he plays. 
He's not, he has never been in three or a rim guy as a shot taker. Like that's not his game. No, he's not. He relies right. so much on the floater, right? The floater is such a big aspect of his game. And teams are starting to get smarter on how to guard the floater. So now he's counting with the mid range. I don't have a problem with Trey taking any shot that's not contested. If it's an uncontested shot jumper for Trey Young, to me, it's a good shot. It's been a good I, shot for the majority of his career. By the way, I agree. The with issue that. has always been him taking contested jumpers, right? Yeah. No, I, I totally hand, agree. Like, and that's one of the reasons I like the piece is that he, he should be like Trey has earned the right. He's as good of a, he's a good enough shooter to where, yeah, not every guy, even an, an open 19 footer is a good shot. For, for Trey Young, that is a good shot. He is at that point. He's at that point where, like, I, you know, if, if I do this ever, you should, somebody will yell at me. But anytime Trey is open, I agree with you. Unless it's from 40 feet, and even then he can shoot that shot for the most part. But if it's from any, any anywhere inside 34 feet, basically, go ahead. I'm with you. Yeah, but, but like, I, and I feel like this mentality is for the majority, like, these guys do not get, like, they might also lead the league in um, foot on the line three pointers, uh, particularly Gallinari, where Gallinari just doesn't care. Like, Gallinari. No, he doesn't care. He'll shoot anything. His feet are set. <laughs> And he's open. He's going to take the shot. You can say the same about John Collins. You can say the same about um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. If their feet are, feet are set uh, wherever they are on the floor and they're open, they're just going to take the shot. That's just the mentality of, of the type of jump shooters these guys are. Like, they're not – like, this is not the Rockets we're waiting on hand over fist, you know, for James Harden to set us all up and we're just going to take the – first available three-pointer like these guys are a lot of these guys are rhythm shooters like where they got to get a dribble in you know get get their get their feet under them and, and shoot the ball so like to me I'm like and also like they're taking 36 percent of their shots from three-pointer like you know this is not 2015 I know they're ranked like in the bottom 10 but they're, like they're they're 24 right 24th I mean 36 percent though is a healthy percentage of three-pointers like it's not like they're no. not taking and the a thing, lot of them they're, yeah. not, they're not they're not at utah jazz levels i know they're well no nobody is utah's but. bombing but yeah no i and the thing is i don't necessarily believe that they should be in the top five if your points separate i think it's honestly there's a lot of nuance here and like i think they should be somewhere in the middle like they have enough shooting to where i think just the math will tell you and people i know people hate talking about math on basketball and i get that but like they have they have plenty of shooters like we know this, they have plenty of guys who can shoot. So like teams that are in their range don't have the level of shooting that they have. And that is really my whole point. It's like, they don't have to be the jazz if they're going to separate and they have more yeah, than but, range guys. Than but, but Brad, my, my thing is like, these guys are not pull up three point shooters outside of Trey Young. They have one. Yeah. That's basically it. And, and, and maybe bo- bo- bogey, 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 bogey kind of, yeah, bo- yeah, yeah, that's basically it. I'm with you. No, everybody and, else. And that's why I don't think they should Cam be Reddish at the top. He is. Cam Reddish thinks he is. So <laughs> I almost, I almost said one. that. I promise you I almost said that too, and I decided to hold off. But no, I, listen, I'm sure I'm painted as analytics guy on this, and I, I'm not. I'm really not even trying to go all the way there. And you make a lot of good points, and I feel like we had a good discussion about this. It's just, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a little worried that they're going to cool off a little bit. But your point's a good one. And like if they're taking open threes versus semi-contested threes, those are going to go in at a higher rate. And that is absolutely true. So we'll see. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I do have, I do point out consistently that the Hawks have been awesome on offense all season long. And whenever Trey plays for three seasons now, they've been awesome on offense. So like, I'm not nitpicking too much. It's just kind of 
my job. Not, I mean, 82 games, I have to give some observations of what I'm seeing. <laughs> and I think it's more like, I wish they were 12th if we're going to separate. I'm just kind of messing. I'm just kind of guessing that just off the top of my head. But also they kind I mean, of turned they, in they, other they, things like free throws are down too. And that maybe that, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, who knows what the free throw things, right? Like Kevin is not going to no. be a free throw guy. John Collins is never going to get a call, apparently. Like, they, oh, you know, he crazy. can dunk it on yeah. everybody he wants to, but apparently, like, apparently, I didn't know this, Brad, but the rule is <laughs> as long as you make the shot, they will never call the foul. So John should probably think about missing layups now instead of just making all of them. Maybe he'll get start getting some foul calls. So, um, But it doesn't work for Capello for some, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm we talking about um, that earlier. No, we, we did. No, I, it's interesting. And listen, they're number two in offense. If they stay there, it shouldn't be a concern for anyone. Um, I get in the but, weeds. But I mean, sure Brad, to me, it's the same. Like, the thing, the thing about their offense is like, it's the same offense that they ran last year when Nate McMillan took over. Yeah. And the difference between last year and this year is that other teams are struggling with the lack of free throws. Like, that's another team problem. The Hawks have been playing like this for uh, what? 50 games now? This yeah, is, well, or, the Hawks. No, and- over 50. The Hawks free throw rates down from last year too, in the way that other teams are as well. They've just kind of been able to offset it. And here's the, here's a crazy stat for you that tells you how like the league is down. Like the Hawks were like top ten in offense last year, and they actually scored more per possession than they are right now, and they're number two in the league right now. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? That, <laughs> I mean, but that's that's kind of like my point. Like, offenses regressed, you know, across the league. Like, yep, for a lot of teams, like massively. Just due to the fact that foul merchants are struggling, except for Joel Embiid and Jimmy and, and Trey Young, <laughs> who's not struggling at all. I mean, Trey Young doesn't get free throws anymore, right? But you know, but he's good he at everything. Decided else. to make jumpers, yeah. yeah. So, but you know, these other foul merchants uh, are struggling. Um, so that that's tough for them. Can you explain know, to me how Joel Embiid gets to the line this the same amount as he did before? I don't understand. Um, nobody else it's is. when you're when you're that big and you're uncoordinated you're just going to get the benefit of the doubt i mean that's that's what it is to me i'm like you know he, he gets touched like he one he's like he's clearly foul baiting but for whatever reason the referees are more lenient with him compared to you know trey young when he does it like if trey does it they got it they got to be very they got to make sure they and they they even wait like a second or two just so that they know that hey we're going to give you the call but we might not do it next time with Joel I mean he's just he's very good at drawing fouls and like if they're going to continue to like I I thought some of that stuff you know was excised out the game but you know I guess Joel just got special <laughs> privileges cuz again like That's I mean I when you fall down every other possession right yeah, but you, you are you got a you got a functional handle. You're going up against big men who are who aren't as you know coordinated as guards and wings. Uh, you know you can get away with some stuff, which again I I don't get it, but it is you know it is what it is, and you know it it'll work. It, it works for him. You know he's he's been playing great, but it's definitely annoying watching him just get every whistle. And then on the other side, like that Philly game where they were so clearly fouling Trey Young behind on these floaters, but he wasn't getting the call. And like he, it led to him getting a tech because he was just getting frustrated. Like it was, that, that, was, that, that, that was clean according to the ESPN broadcast. Well, Jeff Van Gundy, clean. you know, 
Jeff Van Gundy didn't think Trey was good enough for the Olympic team. So what does he know about, you know, modern basketball right now? And there you have it. Um, Kind of being serious. (laughs) I'm I'm leaving leaving that alone for now. Um, What else am I going to ask you about before we get out of here? I have have kind of a hard out in a few minutes, but. um, Miles Turner? Okay. Yeah, we should do that. Although I did say like, look, it doesn't even matter if you wanted Miles Turner because Clint Capella can't be traded. So, like, why are we even talking about this? But please go ahead because I, I think you're right about this. So, go ahead. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, you know, Glenn Willis, Coach Glenn, uh, over the ATL 29. I thought that's my guy. You know, he talked about he talked about how Miles Turner. I mean, he's good, but like the way people talk about this dude, if he was as good defensively as NBA Twitter thinks he is the Pacers would actually be one of the best defenses in the NBA routinely. And they're not because he struggles at a lot of things that aren't, you know, blocking shots. Like he's just not, he doesn't play with the level of physicality that you like from a center. And so then when his jumper's not falling, because he's not, he's not a hard roll rim guy. And so like his offense comes and goes and then defensively, like they're just, it's just too easy to overwhelm him physically. Uh, and we see it time and again in the playoffs. Uh, and it's just like, he, he's, I mean, but it doesn't make him a bad basketball player, but he's just not, he's not, one, the Hawks don't need a big man. Big men aren't the issue with the Hawks. If you look at all their advanced data of who has been good this year, like the, the weakness on the team has been particularly the wings. And also, uh, uh, actually, they have a a lottery pick coming back uh, this week, probably. Which is... and they also have Jalen Johnson. Like they, we we have big men out. We have too many. Jalen Johnson can't get minutes on this team because John Collins Gallinari play for him. And like Jalen Johnson, it doesn't matter what he does in the G League. You know, like it kind of doesn't matter. Like when the second best player on the team is John Collins, and then you also are paying Gallinari twenty million dollars and he's one of the best offensive big men in the NBA right now that he remembered how to play like Jalen's just there's just no role for him but like now we gotta we gotta go get Miles Turner because he can make an open three-pointer like that's great that doesn't that doesn't actually help this team like they don't need they don't need their center to be a spacer they need their centers to be able to do what Capella does and what Okongu does and what John Collins does, which is roll hard to the rim, finish through contact, but then also like have a functional handle. Like there's just so much a Miles Turner's game that is kind of underwhelming as a basketball player that I just don't think he'd help. The only guy on the Pacers that would help this team is Malcolm Brogdon, and he's not available to be. And he traded. can't be traded. Yep. No, I I said the same thing and. uh People actually, I got a response that was, it was actually a, not, it wasn't a, a, a belligerent response, but they were like, why do they want Malcolm Brogdon? He's a point guard. And I was like, well, he can play with Trey Young. Like he's, he's big enough to play with Trey and uh, he would help them. Uh, obviously he wouldn't be their primary guy like he is in Indiana, but Malcolm Brogdon also a local product for the record. Um, but yeah, he would help them, but he, you have to pay a lot for him. And, you know, Sabonis and Turner don't make sense. TJ Warren would help if he could stay healthy, but he can't. So at least not, at least he can't right now. So yeah. I, I think- yeah. And then also like, I mean, another thing like Travis Link believes in these wings and like, I mean, they're, they yeah, just, they're not going to, they're not going to trade over those like, guys. I mean, the only, the only guy, honestly, in the Pacers thing made the whole rounds of the NBA this entire week, but the only guy I could even maybe see the Hawks trading for the Pacers this season is Justin holiday. 
And that's if they just because they need they might need another wing. Like that'd be the only reason why he'd be cheap. He's a vet. He's been around here before. Like, and that wouldn't like inspire anybody. Like he's a pretty good player. He's a he's a rotation guy. But like he's the only guy on that roster. I looked at it pretty closely that I was like, all right, maybe I can see this in season. Anybody anybody else? I just I can't even imagine it. So, but that's that's a larger point with this Hawks team. Like, if you want to talk about or like you know. There isn't a trade to make. There's no trade months. to make. There's, there's not just... a trade. There's not a constellation trade to be made. Because the basketball player that the Hawks actually need is a two-way wing. That guy isn't available. At, at least right. Available. At least right now. No, I mean, you and I agree on this. Like the whole like Beal, the whole Beal, and now Mitchell's not going to be traded because he's kind of have, have people do people not realize Bradley Beal and Trey Young are literally the same height. They literally are like right next to each other this like bradley beal six three also people haven't really noticed this because washington's been playing pretty well beal's been pretty bad this season which is kind of interesting well yeah Um, because he's john wall's not there to to, uh generate open corner threes for him so of course his three-point percentage has dropped like that's that was a big part of his game i mean he's he's evolved as a basketball player in other ways but like a lot of what he did these last couple years was one foul merchant (laughs) <laughs> One of the biggest criminals of that. I love Felton Merchant two, as a term. A lot of a lot of a lot of his aspect of his game was off ball cutting, um, pull up mid range jumpers, not three pointers. Because again, like he needs to be you know, spoon fed these open three point not spoon fed, that's that's not correct, but you know no, what I mean. Yeah, I got you. It's like, you know, he needs a guy to break the defense down for him so he can get open from behind the three point line. That's where he'd get his three-point percentage back up. But the role that he's in now as a basketball player, it's more of like what Devin Booker goes through. Like, it's, you know, three-pointers aren't act, haven't been a major factor in Beal's game since Wall, Wall stopped being a player in this league. So, like, that, to me, that's not surprising that Beal's – and then his defense is always – like, his defense has been – has just tanked, you know, and it's tough – once you start not carrying on defense, it's hard to start carrying again. And so, like, it's, it's been interesting watching his development as a player. Like, I mean, he's, it's not to say he's not a good basketball player. But one, the Hawks don't need offense. And two, they don't need another 6'3 guy that they got to protect, right? Because then, you, you know. No, I, the whole, it's not even about the I mean, really, but like, like He's just that, too short. Yeah, and that's a lot of the a lot of the pieces that are available, like quote unquote, even may be available, uh, in terms of like high priced big name guys, just don't make like a lot the, of sense. The, the only guy right now who might be available just because the, the this team is a trash fire is the Pelicans and Brandon Ingram. Like, yeah, they might the guy, they might do that, right? but even then, like you got to give up a lot for Brandon Ingram. I, I don't I don't I don't think people exactly. understand like as as a general rule, I don't think Hawks fans understand what you have to trade to get someone that is a star or a borderline star like Brandon Ingram. And it's going to be more than people want it, want it to be. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you go, you go into this where it's like, all right, how much is too much for, and how much of this an upgrade over if DeAndre Hunter figures it out or Cam Reddish figures it out or, you know, Kevin Herter's figured it like Kevin Herter. I don't know, quietly. Kevin Herter's playing with some real confidence as a good player. Uh, on both ends of the floor. And, like, he's been really good, and he's only 23. Like, you want to give that up, you know, for a guy who's improving? I mean, to win now? Like, I'm, I'm not saying it would be the wrong decision, but I am saying it would it's have to be not like these guys – it's not like these guys are currently uh, tapped out on 
on what they could be as basketball players in the NBA. Also, you know what, you know what David Griffin's not going to do? David Griffin is trying to save his job, is not trading Brandon Ingram for like pieces right now, unless Zion says exactly. unless Zion tells him that he has to. Otherwise, that ain't happening. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. Before, so, like, I mean, that's the bigger, the bigger thing. Like, the, the player that the Hawks need, you know, Jason Tatum isn't available. So, he, he is not. He is not. Or, or Jalen Brown, for the record. He's not available either. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could do this all day long. We probably will at some point, but I was uh, glad we got to that. I do want to quickly, before we before I forget to do this, is I, and I have to go shortly, uh, Solomon Hill, since last time I did a podcast, has been ruled out for the season. He's going to have to have surgery on his hamstring. Um, we kind of, at least I suspected that was probably going to be the case when Travis said that it got torn in his interview, but now it's official. Um, as of now, he's still on the roster. We can go through that later on. People were kind of assuming they, that they might cut him. I don't know if they'll do that or not because they, they really like Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill is beloved, which is why I'm bringing this up now, even at the end of the podcast, is like everybody loves Solomon Hill. He's like kind of their voice guy, leadership kind of guy, and they like having him around. But uh, I know, you know, Hawks fans don't always love when he plays, but there is a there is a value loss to not having Solomon Hill in uniform and like being able to talk to guys and do all that stuff. So I want to at least point that out. And it's a loss. I know that, you know, in the rotation when they're full strength, he, that he, he won't be playing and shouldn't have been playing, but now he can't play. And there is some, uh, there's some loss to that. I mean, they could have used them against the Hornets. Yes, they could like, I mean, not having that option really hurt them at the end of the game where you had to have John Collins guarding the one guy who could do anything for the Hornets. And like, you had nobody behind him to do, you know, to help John out. You know, if we could have had Solomon Hill on Miles Bridges, and then John Holland's guarding PJ Washington. Uh, maybe things would have been better, right? But we couldn't <laughs> do that so. because we had to play Gallo because we couldn't play Capella. Like it, it was just a snowball issue where it was a matchup problem. Like that that Hornets game boiled down to just not being able to match up at the close to close I the agree. game. I like agree. they couldn't match up. And it, it was just too easy for the Hornets to get their shots and the Hawks were missing theirs. And like that, that's, that's sometimes what the NBA boils down to. And so it's going to, it hurts that, you know, solo isn't there. Um, you know, I, I thought Jalen Johnson might've been able to get some, some tick, but they clearly, I mean, he, here's the thing with Jalen Johnson. I'll just add this. Like I actually like what I've seen from him offensively, uh, particularly with his jumper. It looks a lot cleaner, um, and uh, he's really shooting the ball with some confidence um, from the perimeter, and that's going to help a lot because when he's on the top, when he's eventually playing either this year or next year, you know he's not going to be the focal point, and he's going to get a lot of clean open looks. And if he's taking it with this level of confidence, you know that's just going to make him a better basketball player. So, like, even though Jalen's not playing for the big team, like he is getting better. Uh, so is Sharice Cooper and all these other guys. So. I mean, it it hurts with Solo. I, I was thinking when it first announced that he's going to be out for the year that they might cut him, but they, I mean, they, they're they kind still of could. Deep at, the they're deep at that position. They're yeah, deep at that position. My my they're whole point, like deep right now, and people don't necessarily know this. Like, you know, there's no IR in the NBA. Like, you have to cut him to have any roster relief whatsoever, and they don't need to right now. I think the only way that they would need to would be closer to the deadline. Or if you get like three more injuries or something like that, or if they want to, if, if they want to come to an agreement with Sharif Cooper on a four-year deal or something like that, that those would be the reasons to do to cut Solomon Hill. But in the, for right now, there's no reason to do that. So like, keep him around if you have to. They probably would. They probably would do it if they had to. But I think they really don't want to because they just like him around, and they should because he has huge value. So, 
Yeah, anyway. he's been you know he's been a solid vet. So like I I don't I don't see you know and, and unless they have made, like if they have more injuries then 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 the discussion will be had right. Um, but right now like where the Hawks are like even with all the injuries at the moment you know with especially with getting TLC and by the way thank. Whew, how worried were you that Jaleel Ogilvy was going to be on this team? Uh, it was it, it was in play at one point even though I was yelling and and so were you. That they should that they had to keep TLC unless they just absolutely got overruled for some reason. Reason so we were right, we were right about that at least. <laughs> but yeah, I was a little bit worried about it. Yeah, no, nah, but like you know, with TLC on this team, is you know that's a big boon. Like he and he's going to help you know these these next couple of months or so really stabilize some stuff. I've been really impressed with his defense, and if he's just going to take open three pointers, like you know teams are going to give it to him. So he, if as long as he's knocking them down, it's a good outcome for the Hawks. But my guy, my guy took fourteen on Monday. Fourteen, loved it, absolutely yeah. loved it. Uh, Anthony Edwards was, had no interest in no uh, none in closing uh, out. I would agree with you on that. Uh, all right, that's uh, all I have in terms of time. My apologies to everybody that likes when when Tyler comes on for two hours. We'll do that. We'll do that at some other point. Um, it's my fault that we're not doing that right now. But uh, I have to uh, slide away, and I appreciate your flexibility in recording this with me, Tyler. Please plug yourself, as always. Any anime recommendations? People always ask me to have you do that at the end of the podcast. So, please go ahead. Yeah, you can follow me at Jonesy2x4 uh, on Twitter. Uh, anime Rex. Uh, I mean, the new JoJo came out on Netflix, so I'm assuming everybody's watched that. Yeah, uh, I, I know I have a couple times. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> Brad, I know, I know. Brad, oh Brad, oh Brad. One day, I'll, um, one but, day uh, I'm gonna do I, it when I have some time. One day I'm gonna like, I'm gonna ask you, like, hey man, give me like, I have two hours. What do I watch? One day. We're yeah, Cowboy that. Bebop, right. the anime on Netflix. It's on right. Netflix. The anime, not the not the live action one. It's an anime. Right? Okay. There's okay. two. It's called Cowboy Bebop. You'll enjoy it, guaranteed. The spaghetti western. All right. In space. So. Um, that's my recommendation. Everybody should watch the anime Cowboy Bebop. I don't know about the live action. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm not interested in watching it just because if it's just retelling the anime stories, I could just watch the anime again because it's that great. Other than that, um, I don't have too much for you guys that you don't already know, but if I do have something, I'll let you know on Twitter. Uh, again, Jonesy2x4. Um, but, uh, thanks for having me again, Brad. Yes, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Please follow Tyler and uh, take joy in his play-by-play during games because it's uh, it brings me joy each and every time the Hawks play. Um, Atlanta is back in action Friday night against Brooklyn. ESPN game, also on Bally. So there's local and national coverage of that one. And as always, we'll have a podcast after the game. So please subscribe to the podcast, follow Tyler, and we'll see you next time.